0: My name is Renato Mariotti. I'm the host of the On Topic podcast, and you're listening to Muller She Wrote.
1: So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, our position is. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G. And today, I'm going to speak with the author of the book, Bots Against Us, The Ongoing Information War Against the United States, with the author Alan Silberberg. Uh, it's a really in-depth interview. Uh, he's done so much. He worked with the DNC, uh, looking at the Podesta phishing email. They asked him what he thought about that. He's a pandemic security expert, cybersecurity expert, and he literally wrote the book on bots. There is so much important information in this interview that I couldn't cut it down. So it's going to be the show. But for all the other headlines, check out our sister podcast, The Daily Beans. We have all the relevant news, everything that flew under the radar. I mean, we do cover the COVID updates, the important, you know, what what we think are you know are important updates from uh, COVID nineteen. We're going to be talking um, uh, on the. This, you know, this episode of Daily Beans comes out Monday morning, Sunday night, if you're a patron and you get it ad free if you're a patron. Uh, But we're going to be talking about Sullivan hiring his own lawyer in the Flynn case, the same lawyer who represented Kavanaugh during the confirmation hearings uh, and uh, also represented Hillary in the email thing. Uh, We're going to be talking about Pompeo failing to hand over documents to the, the Democratic lawmakers in the House about firing Linick, the inspector general of the State Department, uh, who was looking into his and run around Congress with the $8 billion the Saudi arms sales. We're going to be talking about the U.S. pulling out of the Open Skies Treaty. We have an interview with security law professor about Trump trying to override governors and, you know, 10A and 1A, the 10th Amendment, First Amendment, and how that impacts it. Um, and also uh, Kelly Loeffler donated a million dollars to a Trump super PAC. Tried, likely. I don't know if she's trying to distract us from the fact that she is an insider traitor. Insider trader. That sounds weird. Uh, we also have some great news about Devin Nunez. Uh, he, he, he was dealt a blow. Um, OAN's suit against Maddow got dropped. We have a lot of uh, headlines in, in in today's Daily Beans, so check that out. But for today, uh, I wanted to really just focus on this really really interesting interview. Um, but along with all the stories that I just mentioned. Well, there's also a story out this week from Business Insider that roughly half the Twitter accounts pushing to reopen America are bots. And joining me today to discuss his book called Bots Against Us, The Ongoing Information War Against the United States, is author and pandemic and cybersecurity expert, Alan Silberberg. Alan, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I figured if I was going to talk about a story that that had to do with bots, I might as well bring on the person who wrote a book about it. And (laughs) thank you. I'd like to talk about your book. But first, I'd like your top line reaction to the reporting. That came out from Business Insider that researchers at Carnegie Mellon suggest that bots are dominating the reopen America debate on Twitter. Does that surprise you?
0: No, not at all. Um, I think that the 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 definition of bots is a, is a broad definition, so you kind of have to be a little bit careful there. However, having said that, um, yeah, uh, many of the same actors that were involved in 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 trying to stir up the pot with uh, you know everything from from black lives matter protests to to blue lives matter protests to to Donald Trump rallies to you know it's the same cast and characters and it's the same bots and so we are seeing russian involvement you're seeing chinese involvement you're seeing domestic players who are who are trying to agitate against each other and there's a tr- there's a huge use of bots i've seen it on twitter uh, just recently, uh, massive uh, we're b- right back to where we were at the two thousand and sixteen levels in terms of of bot involvement in in, in politics. So,
1: yeah, and as, as as it turns out, this was a sweeping analysis from Carnegie Mellon. They looked at over two hundred million tweets discussing Covid since January and found that roughly half of the accounts, including uh, what they refer to as sixty two percent of the thousand most influential retweeters, Appear to be bots, so I wanted to ask you: How can we recognize a bot? What is a bot? How do we recognize it? And 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 how does that compare to other topics that you just brought up? Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, um, which are apparently typically ten to twenty percent bot activity.
0: Um, the reason I mention those is because it's the same pattern of of activity, the same kind of you know. You basically you have a bot network, you have a controller, a human person who's who's often also active in that bot network as an as a as a retreater or as an aggregator, um, and. What happens is the bots are basically programmed to find each other and to work with each other. And in, if someone creates a bot army of 10 million accounts and they're all have the same programming, they're going to act the exact same way. Some might have different ones. Like they, there's like the angry bots. There's the bots who challenge you. There's the bots who insult you. There's the bots who agree with you and, and make you think you're there on your side. Um, there's the bots that just do nothing but name call and insult people and um, <clears throat> and then there's a whole other level of bots that are really clearly designed to stir up political dissent and create uh uh create division amongst Americans.
1: And a lot of you know, I've been we've been uh covering the Russia investigation now for for a long time on this podcast. And we I know, come up-
0: you've done, you've done some great work.
1: Well, oh, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Uh, but we've we've discovered some ways to telltale signs that something is a bot. Uh, a lot, a lot of times, there's syntax that it kind of gives it away. A lot of times, they'll have um no picture sometimes they'll have they like to use dogs a lot sometimes they'll have uh, a, a a like their twitter handle will be like bob with a string of 12 numbers after yeah.
0: it yeah so so there's a whole bunch of i mean you, you just listed off a bunch of good ones but there's there's several other telltale signs um very clear ones actually for example um someone pretending to be an american often will talk about barbecues a lot and how much they love football um, but when you look at the pictures they're posting, often they're not from America. They're actually from some other country. Um, you know, or the, or they're, they're writing in English, but as you said, the syntax is not correct. Or when you look at their numbers, they use commas instead of periods um, as decimal points. And um, so that right away kind of tells you that you're dealing with someone not from America. Um, and then there's like a whole other level where basically you can kind of test them a little bit and respond. And if they, how they respond back to you you can see kind of how they're programmed. So like the ones that will automatically start insulting you, that's what they're actually programmed to do. The ones that are like, Kind of give you one, one or two or three word re- responses. Obviously, that's all they can do. <laughs> um, and then there's humans who are involved with that as well. So that you, you, it's very difficult sometimes to determine, you know, who's controlling who. Like, is the bot controlling the human or the human controlling the bot? Um, we look for things that are often, like you said, telltale signs, like an account that's been recently created. Uh, and it's also only followed by all other accounts that are recently created or only follows other accounts that are recently created. That's a big one. Um, yeah. Another big one is an account from 2009 on Twitter that only has, you know, 55 people following it. But they follow like, you know, 3,000 people. <laughs> um, um, and they only supposedly they've been on, on just lurking on, on, on Twitter. But really, they've been a, a bot that's been reused, you know, a few times. And, um and then people delete the the the, the you know oftentimes the, the accounts that aren't caught and aren't banned and aren't blocked will get reuse so they'll get renamed they'll get they'll get refreshed and they'll delete the history from them um because they think that somehow that means that no one can see it uh and um but then there's a there's also a pattern of you know, Instantly getting a bunch of likes and instantly getting a bunch of retweets off of some really stupid insult someone else says to you. And then you realize, well, gee, who's retweeting them? Who's liking them? And then you kind of fall into that whole rabbit hole, pardon me, of, <clears throat> you know, just constantly chasing them because there's so many.
1: Yeah, we were constantly uh, con- uh, recently, uh, somebody who I follow on Twitter, There there's some movement to cancel um Tony Stark. Uh, who, who's, who's the actor who played Tony Stark? Why can't I think of his name? He's got three names. Uh, I sorry, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, I've less than zero. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. If this was a test, I failed it. Yeah, uh, they were. They were. They wanted to cancel Robert Downey Jr. I can't believe I forgot him. I'm in love with him. Uh, who? They're they're trying to get cancel him because of his uh, role in Tropic Thunder, and everyone's like, "What? Like that is the weirdest." thing. And, and so they were looking at who was retweeting this and they were finding a lot of bot activity. It's just really interesting. And you mentioned like accounts that were just created or accounts that were created in 2009 that have 10, two followers and follow 3000 people. Uh, I used, I used to do a test. I would often times act accidentally engage it with a bot and, and I still do it from time to time. They're getting more sophisticated, but I, uh, I would always ask what inning we sing take me out to the ball game
0: oh nice yeah i do i do things like that as well I mean, especially especially when someone says they're like born in america oh really yeah because <laughs> because anyone who's born here they're usually is not going to be putting that in their in their bio
1: right <laughs> right <laughs> um, although i now i now i want to now I want to...
0: <laughs> well the, the big one in, in 2016 was you know uh, i love barbecues you know i love football uh, here's my. I'm, I'm. I'm a fan of you know. You name it. You name the college football team, right? And then there will be some picture of this some white American, you know, blonde hair with their girlfriend, you know, watching a football game. Um, you know, and in reality, they're you know late at night, they're also tweeting, you know, retweeting, you know, Russian
1: media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, football and russian media i'm really into those
0: exactly like it's it's a wonderful combination um but more seriously though there are bots involved in our lives in ways that most of us don't even think about um i mean if you call the bank you know on the phone you're dealing with a bot basically you're dealing with a telephone bot but you're still you're dealing with a a, a, ro- a robotic software platform that's designed to handle inquiries and to to, to respond in certain ways though those are programmed in in hopefully positive ways hopefully you're getting the information you need and you know that they are helpful. However, that same exact technology can be used just as effectively in a negative way. Um, And when it's done by a nation state in, 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 in a paramilitary attack, especially on a country that has no defenses against it and has never dealt with it before, um, basically you're just going to overrun the population just like a virus. It's, mm. it's exactly like a, a – we did – in fact, 10 years ago, when social media was just really getting huge. Um, you know, there, were, there was a lot of talk about could you track a virus or something like – you know, Ebola spread through social media. And it turns out that actually there are a number of studies that show that social media can be a leading indicator of those types of crises because all of a sudden you start to hear about doctors rushing to the hospital or nurses doing double shifts or people with the sniffles in Chicago or, you know, and, and if you did it in aggregate and you're actually listening, you could you could kind of get ahead of some of those health Kind of movements, and and that's also true in politics. That's true in diplomacy, and unfortunately, if if there if those types of tools are used on a populace that's not prepared for it, has never had any training in disinformation or in spotting fake uh, media or propaganda, um, many countries in Europe and Asia and Africa have gone through decades of this. So they've literally had you know, they have gone to school and actually had classes like how do you determine a fake piece of information or not? You know, what's propaganda, what's in here we don't have anything like that because for so long there really wasn't anything directed at our that we could see in an immediate fashion. And now everything is 247 and -hmm. everything is right in front of us and it's in our hands. It's literally in our hands because you're holding a phone. And so, so the, when someone's on Facebook and they're using it on their phone, the connection there to that message that they're seeing is so visceral. Um, and, um, so if you magnify that by a billion people, that's how you get control of people's minds is, is the use of those types of, you know, knowing that someone is more addicted to their phone when they're on Facebook messaging than they are when they're talking to, uh, the IRS, Mm -hmm. um you know, the um, knowing that someone is way more addicted to Twitter when people are responding to their tweets and retweeting them than when nobody's paying attention to them. hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and speaking of, uh, you know, us not being prepared, I mean, I, I, I know Ukraine was looking at us in 2016 like, guys, d- d- don't you see this? And and this is especially true, like you said, in a country that's ill prepared for it. But also, we're a country that is governed by an administration that welcomes it and may well even be funding it and and you know through organizations like psyops and black cube and uh joel Zammel and uh, that august 3rd meeting in trump tower and all that so
0: if not if not funding it then certainly willing collaborators and part of it i mean i mean part i mean i'll get to this later when we talk about my book but but part of what i was talking about in my book really was this sort of this relationship between Russians and Americans who decided to collaborate to steal an election. And and that happened on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. And that happened um, in real time on in real media and in social media and in emails and WhatsApp chats and everything else and still happening.
1: Yeah. And speaking of your book, I wanted to get to that next. Uh, I wanted to, first of all, ask you what inspired you to write it. And and also, what kind of misinformation, bot traffic, misinformation, do you do you discuss? Do you highlight in your in your book?
0: Um, the what caused me to to write it actually was that I accidentally um, in to early 2016 um, uh, came across you know a series of botnets that were supporting Bernie Sanders. They were acting very suspicious, and they suddenly—I had never once on Twitter mentioned Bernie Sanders. I never, I've never supported him. I didn't, but I also never—it wasn't something like I never said anything bad about him. I never mentioned him. And then one day in in like February or January of 2016, um, all these Bernie bots started following me in one day, like hundreds of accounts, <laughs> and um, and I got my attention. And I started looking at some of these accounts, and these were right away. It was very clear that they were not real; they were fake. I mean, there were just so many fake Bernie Bot accounts. And um, and then separately from that, I got called in. I got called in to review the, the. The I I got called in by someone at the DNC in March of 2016 to review the email that. That Podesta had received that was the sort of initiated all the DNC hacking.
1: The Google, the Google phishing email. Yeah, exactly. To see,
0: to see what my impression of it was, and sort of what you know, how we would have reacted if we had gotten that email. And I mean, I mean, it was a very well crafted phishing email, but it was also it had a link in it that was a malicious link, and it was obvious that if you had looked, if anyone had spent, you know a moment's notice they would have been like wait this is probably not right but someone who's getting three four five thousand emails a day uh, and they're the head of a campaign um, and and it's a google reset thing saying hey reset your google account I, I mean i don't know how many of us wouldn't fall for it i guess is the question even even with you know proper training if you're in depending on the heat of the moment that's kind of how these things are worked it's, it's it's social engineering because they're getting in your head and they're 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 using psychology to to manipulate you, whether they're manipulating millions of people at once or one person at a time. Um, and so the combination of the the that of being asked to be involved with that, and then these Bernie bots, um, I basically just started paying very close attention to what was happening with the Russian involvement. Uh, in in it, at, at first, it was just with the social media, and then I started you know hearing Trump's speeches and talk, hearing him talk about you know his love for Putin and whatever. And then when he, when he, uh, you know, made the speech and they asked Russia to hack Hillary's emails. Um, I mean, to me, that was like an act of treason. I mean, I, I, I'm using that term in the wrong way. I understand because we weren't technically at in, on, in war, although Russia since has said that they attacked us as a military, uh, you know, gesture through the GRU. And it it was in court, in the U.S. federal court, they admitted that it was a military move and that's why they shouldn't be held accountable for it when the DNC sued them.
1: Mm. Yeah, and Judge Sullivan, of course, asked the prosecutors in the Michael Flynn case, and and this isn't, I'm not talking about what Trump said, but yes, but then also, I mean, it's been, the the treason word has been brought up a few times.
0: Yeah, and but I mean, when I said it then, it was more like out of anger and, I I had worked in the Bill Clinton White House. I was young and fortunate enough to to get a job, you know, uh, while he when he was president, and um, I so I actually served under a real president, and I worked with 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 real professionals, and, and it was it was an incredible experience in my life. And everyone I know who was part of that alumni and who's part of the Clinton team, I think, would say the same thing, even with all the lawsuits and all the the craziness that went on. Um, you know, the, it was uh, the business of the government and the business of the country was handled in an ethical way. Yeah. And and nobody, you know, there weren't 100,000 people dying. Um, uh, I think that when Trump begged Russia to hack Hillary's emails, to me, it was like, wow, this guy's like a Manchurian puppet, you mm. know. And uh, the he was I kept struggling for the term for it to find it you know the Manchurian Russian candidate like what did, what was the right way to describe it, um, right. and then May of 2016 um, right before there were the conventions happened and it was right around the time that Trump was sort of declaring himself the the, the unofficial nominee um, all these Bernie bots that had been following me since January all of a sudden in one day flipped to Trump bots. Mm. Uh, and I was traveling and I saw it happening on my mobile phone, but I couldn't like sit at my computer and do screenshots, unfortunately. So I, I w- at that one moment when I could have like actually been like, hey, look, boom, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I got, I was, I, uh, hundreds and hundreds of accounts switched in one day.
1: Yeah. And I, I um, you know, I was a, I was a, in 2016, I was a Bernie supporter and all the hashtags like DemExit and, it's all that was all Russian, crooked Demi, DNC Brexit, and all the Cal people, Exit,
0: all those efforts, the guy who was behind the CalExit. Uh, it's because the Cal Exit, uh, you know, platform actually lived in Russia. I mean, you can't get more direct than that.
1: Yeah. And, and here we are in California thinking, man, that is a really good idea. And it plays on our desires to not be part of this Republican establishment. But then they f- they turn the tables on you.
0: It's well, it's actually it was actually it was never it was never a good idea because it was all about dividing, dividing us.
1: Oh, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, it, it it's appealing to the it's appealing to the good nature of actual Democrats in California. Because
0: um, it's propaganda and it's stuff that we've never been exposed to in any kind of real way before we've yeah. heard about it and we've seen on all these on the news growing up you'd see about these other totalitarian countries that were using uh, propagandistic platforms to control their 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 countries yeah. and um, you know we were always like oh that'll never happen here because of our laws and because we're open society and our you know freedom freedom of press um, and now we have the press under assault. We have a government, uh, at least a leader in the government, who is willing to subvert himself to the to the demands of a foreign leader. Yeah. Well. Um, and, and I'm trying to say that nicely. I mean, I'm, I, I really believe there's a much stronger connection. I wrote about this in my book. One of the things that really, really, truly bothered me when I started paying attention to all this in 2016 was we started seeing a, a parallel communication between the Russian, uh, but the Kremlin itself, official Kremlin media outlets, and groups like RT and Sputnik and, and some of their kind of like uh, accolades around the world um, that was timed almost precisely with what was coming out of the Trump campaign in 2016. So, for example, Donald Trump would make a tweet about something, and five seconds later, the Kremlin would retweet it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Or or the other way around, where the Trump people would actually be taking messaging from the Russians, and then within seconds, it would be repeated and amplified on their end. Mm -hmm. And this happened daily uh, throughout the campaign. On hundreds and hundreds of issues, and it's to me, uh, it was very clear that what was happening was the Trump campaign was being controlled by Russia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so, I, when I wrote my book, I actually had an agent. I do not want to mention him. He's a very nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. Who, who is the one of the top agents in New York City? And he literally was unable to get my book sold. And they and the reason was because he says, oh, you know, there's more famous people who have stories or – and it wasn't him saying. This is what the publishing houses just were saying. Some of them were saying that, that who cares about the opinion of one cybersecurity expert? You know, um, they were waiting for the Mueller report to come out, so no one really wanted to kind of, like, make any moves. And then when it became clear that Mueller was being forced out and then his the, – the work that he had formed out to – other agencies might also have been canned, I decided to self-publish the book because I felt that it was extremely important for America to understand what is still going on today. And if you look at this coronavirus situation and the deaths is is so heartbreaking, um, yeah. but the, the the lies and the manipulation that we are now going through as a country is almost identical to the lies and manipulations that we went through in 2016, except now the virus is the the target de jour.
1: Yeah, and uh, by by a lot is is what it seems. And I I, I have to say um uh, you know a lot of uh, I think that you and I can probably share a feeling of vindication when the Mueller report dropped. Uh, mine was volume two, yours was volume one. Uh, Both, actually both. You you know what I mean? For sure. Because you had just spent all this time writing a book that nobody wanted to buy about bots and cybersecurity and troll farms. And then here is this 250-page volume of a, a Mueller report, which is just a tiny little tip of the iceberg, by the way, that outlines pretty much everything that you were saying for the past year, <laughs> and so
0: yeah, and also, well, also, I refer people often to the the U.S. Uh, intelligence community report that was issued on January seventh of two thousand seventeen. So ICA, while Obama yeah. was still yeah while Obama was still president, um, the, these all seventeen intelligence. Agencies came together under on one report, and they issued a stunning—I think it was a 17-page report. And it was, I don't know, it was Alan. I'm not sure though because
1: you know the CIA said they had a moderate degree uh, of of certainty, and the FBI and the NSA said uh, they had a no, high degree of certainty.
0: No, 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 that was in October of 2016, but in January of 2017. I know. I'm ca- I know. I'm,
1: it was, I'm just. It was actually right a
0: full. No, I get it. But it was a full. It was a full. Uh, uh, it was actually, I believe, the first time in history that, or, or modern history that our intelligence agencies have issued such a report. Uh-huh. And um, so, I mean, I point people to that because that was the pre-Muller report. And that was the thing that was like very technical. It didn't they didn't really name names so much, but they definitely said here is what happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know, something that hurt a lot was the October 2016 headline from The New York Times. Um you know that there was no the fbi has f- found no problem with russia uh but they
0: they have blood on their hands now uh, with with trump and the hundred thousand deaths it's the same i mean
1: yeah and now we're waiting for the counterintelligence uh volume uh part five of the sissy the senate select committee on intelligence report which of um, course
0: barge has got you know jammed up so so i think yeah. that, not Barr. sorry burr yeah um um, and I think obviously there's some effort to try to muffle that report, but my mm-hmm. guess is it's going to find its way to the light of day just because of it's bipartisan and ultimately someone's going to leak it if it's not.
1: It'll come out. Mark Warner Mark Warner will release it, just like Diane Feinstein released the Fusion GPS transcripts against the wishes of... Right, uh, exactly. Of, yeah, yeah, but, exactly.
0: Um, I think that the problem right now is that right now we still have Fox News, which is serving as uh, the main propaganda network in America, and 24 hours a day is... Is brainwashing uh, a, a good portion of this country? They're literally being brainwashed. They're being led to believe that a virus that can kill you simply by walking outside um, is not dangerous. And you know, and to that I say, well, if you've ever talked to someone who's had this disease, this virus, you're going to hear a completely different story. Um, you know, or and I think that the divisions that are being caused here—if you look at Brexit. Brexit is a wonderful example because it happened at the same time. It was the same players, the same exact style bot network, the same type of divisionary language and rhetoric. Um, Now Britain is floating all by itself. They basically have no hope of recovering their economy. They're going to have years and years and years of pain. And for what? Because Putin thought that this was a great idea to split UK from from the EU and also at the same time to break the United States. And it, it seems like... With Trump as president, we have uh, the second happening also.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, Putin can can be nothing but happy with with what's happening. Uh, yeah, and so they're using the this virus.
0: States. Using this virus to stir up division. These protests that are out there. These fake protests. These these protests that are are, are they're not even protests their 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 rallies disguised as protests, uh-huh. and i did a whole thing on twitter 2 years ago that got uh, uh, something like a million impressions was uh, i i i basically wrote a short you know thread including multiple live links showing how Trump pays for crowds to come to his rallies mm-hmm. and buses people. In. And then there's a whole side business of if they give them, they give them a hundred bucks. And then if they sell some extra, um, you know, red hats, they make more money. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that the same people who were being bused into these rallies eight months ago are being given giant American flags and, you know, are uh, being paid, to show up uh, in Michigan and in California and other places, um, and in California we have 40 million people, and you got maybe what 500 people protesting, <laughs> but they get a lot. They get a lot of media attention because there's some there's some right wing media agitators who want to see a revolution. They're trying to foment a revolution, and they think that something like this coronavirus and the the rules and people having to wear masks and not have you know keep a distance and all of this somehow that that invades their right to, 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 you know, I don't know what, to what, have a, have a, have a cheeseburger while they're getting a haircut at the uh, same yeah, time? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but it's gonna, I mean, it's going to keep going as we wait for a vaccine. I know I saw a report that 20, uh, over 70% of Republicans who watch Fox News believe that the vaccine is, uh, a vehicle that Bezos and Bill Gates came up with to inject tracking chips into you. Uh, and
0: am well, if that's the case, then, uh, well, maybe well, they the, should just stop using their phones. <laughs>
1: that's what I said. The best part is they're tweeting this from their iPhone. But, right. um, <laughs> okay, but Steve Jobs is totally safe, or Tim Apple, excuse me. Um, yeah.
0: I, I think that the reality right now is that we're we're being subjected to a controlling. Uh, you know, Trump is trying to control the government as much as possible. Uh, they've destroyed the EPA. They've gutted the rules of EPA. They've gutted the Clean Air Act. They've gutted the Clean Water Act. And now, and now, under the guise of this COVID pandemic. They're gutting all these industrial rules that mm-hmm. have guided America for decades. Russia workers safe
1: yeah well, they're going uh, after they're going after Social security And so in a way in a way
0: if you I don't know how much you know about Russian history, but when when the Soviet Union fell apart and you know the, there was a few years where there was complete chaos and basically that's how these modern day oligarchs became oligarchs. they yep. were KGB thugs. And they basically took the economic – the division and the economic problems and they forced c- companies to sell to them on pennies at the dollar or they would just steal companies outright. And then that's how they became these rich billionaire oligarchs. They're still KGB thugs. They're just billionaire oligarchs. And um, and I think what Trump is trying to do here is replicate that. And if you look at what's happening with how many people are unemployed, 40 million people are unemployed now, you know – and 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 uh all these businesses are filing for bankruptcy or going out of business they're trying to close the post office now why is that is that because of mail-in ballots that's one thing because you can't really argue about mail-in ballots but the real estate portfolio of the u.s postal service is gigantic it's 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 prominent you know real estate in every major city every small city in america Mm. um and so, so if they were somehow able to, to privatize that, what do you think that would be about? That would be one giant land grab. And so yeah, I think it would look w-
1: like the prisons. It would look yes, like that. Yes, exactly.
0: So I think we have to be very careful here because we're looking at a parallel. And, and nobody in our media right now is willing to address that because nobody wants to call out the Russian puppet for being a Russian puppet.
1: Yeah. We do, and and you do. So thank you yeah, for that. Thank you. And, I appreciate all your work. I mean, you've been <laughs> phenomenal at
0: covering all this, and and I think I'm, and and in helping to elucidate the information.
1: Uh, I hope we've helped a little, uh, and um, I hope people will check out your book. It's called "Bots Against Us," uh, and you're yeah, I know you're a pandemic cybersecurity expert, um, Alan Silberberg. Thank you for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is our show for this week, our penultimate show. Uh, please join us next week for the final episode of Mueller, She Wrote. And everyone, please subscribe to The Daily Beans, where we will continue to bring all the Mueller news to you. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to seeing you over on that feed. So please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Don't miss the final episode of Mueller, She Wrote next Sunday. I've been your host, A.G., and this is Mueller, She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn, with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production, and social media direction is by Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is mullersherote.com. MSW Media.